I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning. Good morning, friends. I am How not is- Bill Dickey today. I'm somebody else. <laughs> yeah. How is everybody doing? That's how I feel today. <laughs> Just kidding. It's it's Monday. It's fine. Just it's wanted to keep Monday. the tradition going. It is Monday. Monday. Mitchell, you're having a really Monday Monday. Real Monday Monday. Today's Mitchell's birthday. Uh, yeah. And I it's a Monday of all Mondays. <laughs> yep. The plumber's coming. The car's going in the shop. The dog's going to the vet. Cash is losing his mind about his new primary classroom at the Liberated Montessori School. Shout out. Shout out. Nice. They're great. You know, it's just... I have a good cup of cultivar coffee. Well, there you go. And they got the maple lattes out. So I got Eli. That sounds delicious. For the nine month pregnant woman at home. (laughs) So, yeah, if you uh, like fall coffee drinks, cultivar is where it's at. I, yeah, I have to try that. I actually, so as far as the pumpkin spice craze goes, I love pumpkin in my baked goods, pumpkin bread, yeah, muffins, bars, scones. Yeah, yeah. All about that. But I'm not a huge fan of pumpkin in my drinks. Mm-hmm. No. So I always go for like a maple or a cinnamon or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm not a big pumpkin spice guy. Um, I did try the cherry pie milk at the state fair. It wasn't good. I'm really shocker. <laughs> it's, it's real surprising. <laughs> yeah, I've been but. to I've been to the Texas State Fair a total of one time, and I have to mm. say it was well. I don't ride roller coasters or do rides sure. or anything because I get so motion sick. So really. It the corny dog was delicious, and that's about all I can say about the the state fair. <laughs> Which now you can get it like golden chick or something, right? Right. Is it, is yeah. it golden yeah. chick? I think it's golden. I'm gonna, chick. I'm gonna probably tell you the quality's not gonna be there, but uh, <laughs> what? Do you think a pop up stand is gonna be any different than golden chick? Yeah, dude, for sure. I don't want to get into the like techniques of corn dog making. That's for another podcast. Yeah. yeah Join us later this week for Corny Dogs. Mitchell has a lot of hot sports opinions about fair food. But uh <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you that at the state fair, a fresh Fletcher's corny dog out of that stand is gonna be better than the drive through golden chick. That's probably true. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, fair talk. We can do that at another day. We got a lot to cover. We had a fantastic sneaky good Sunday <laughs> yesterday, World Communion Sunday. If you missed it, you can check out uh our worship service on our YouTube channel. Yeah. And on our Facebook page. Facebook Live, yep. And you can catch my sermon on this podcast channel. And uh, on Wednesday, it'll be up on Wednesday. Rebecca and some awesome volunteers distributed communion world communion kits that had stickers, variety of breads. It was uh, that whatever bread I had in communion was awesome. I don't know what that was, Rebecca, but that uh, was that was non that was, that uh, was a really good piece like, of non, yeah. That was toasted, I think it was toasted buttered or something like that, yeah. It was um, like not the not you know, like cold non like that, but it was awesome. It was great. So, um, 
Becky Stilwell and Keith and a couple other people delivered a lot of the bags to um, some of our folks who really can't get out and about very much. Um, Or if they can, they're just not comfortable because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was probably the the most important thing that those kits did was provide that human connection for those folks. I mean, they, Keith and, and that team of, um, of like senior adult ministries probably gave out about 20 bags to our folks in the, in the congregation who really aren't out and about. So, and we got a really sweet message from one of them saying like, thank you so much. I opened up this bag. I just felt connected for the first time in Mm. months and you know, it's it. I think that's exactly what communion is about, right? It's very simple. It's like bread and juice, yeah. right? It's whatever. Yeah. It's what you feed your toddlers every day, right. but it's so important and connective. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I said that in my sermon. Like, we don't need to overcomplicate it because like there's like the holy mystery aspect of what happens at yeah. communion. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just tactile, and I think like. This is gets into that middle hymn, Rebecca, like middle hymn yeah. on Sunday, right? This idea of taste and see, mm-hmm. like that's not how we come normally to understand God by tasting. Right. So it's a Psalm, right? Psalm. Psalm 34. 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which Lisa brought out for us. Like she read the Psalm first and then right after that, um, we sang the hymn, which there are multiple ways to do that. That, um, that hymn actually has uh chanted verses so you actually could have that as the reading um in between those little refrains but i decided that it because we can't share space we just have to share time you know it wouldn't have worked as well if we had cut back and forth um multiple multiple times but yeah i mean taste and see the goodness of the lord i mean it's we the psalms actually have like we talked about this a lot they have such rich theology that we often overlook because it also has such problematic theology sometimes um Mm -hmm. but if we think of it as i always say this like think of the psalms as journal entries think of the psalms as like somebody's poetry book that we happen to get our hands on and yeah i mean it's i loved the way that that brought out that you actually like reference that in your sermon this taste and see that god is good this idea that the Psalms are like journal entries, I think is really important. I was having a conversation um, with one of our neighbors last week in the garden. Um, and he's a black man in America. And I think we all know that, you know, that's really a hard experience right now. Um, so it has been a hard experience. And we're talking about his faith and his spirituality. And he said, um, you know, I just, I feel angry and like, I feel guilty that I feel angry. And I'm like, dude, like take your anger to God, like totally appropriate. And if there's a place in scripture that we can really feel um, emboldened to do that, given permission to do that, it's how we read the Psalms and, Mm -hmm. um, and what a powerful like way to think about um, that book. Cause I always give it a hard time as like yeah. boring and, and out of touch, but uh, there are aspects of the Psalms that I think can really open our, um, open up our, ourselves, our ability to experience God. And, and this idea of like tasting and seeing is just, I think it's really a fascinating way to, to, to think about our spiritual development. 
so Brueggemann writes extensively about Walter Brueggemann writes extensively about the Psalms and yeah. he, this is a shameless plug too, just for the book club. Cause I'm going to talk really good about Walter Brueggemann. Cause that's our next book reading, not specifically about the Psalms, but he actually does talk about the Psalms in the book reading, but, but he talks about it being a, um, a process of orientation, disorientation and reorientation throughout the whole book totally. of Psalms. Yeah. And that the brilliance of it is, is that you never know from one to the next, what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And he said, he loves that because, it's, it's just like life. You don't know from moment to moment or day to day what the next day is going to hold. So when you finish one psalm that may have been one that helped really reorient you, the next one may really disorient you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's this constant perpetual cycle of that orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important. And even within the same psalms, right? I mean, right, totally. Which which I resonate with because I journal daily. Um, I try to journal like in the morning and in the evening. And it is remarkable. Like I will start out, you know, uh, God, here's everything that went wrong today. I'm so annoyed. I'm so grouchy. And then by the end, I feel God nudging me like, hey, write something down you're thankful for. Mm. You know, what are you going to – how are you going to transform this energy? Or vice versa. I, I come to the journal kind of with a neutral um, – feeling and then something is brought up and I'm like, Oh yeah, I need to work through this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really, I really feel that. And I think Mitchell, uh-huh. you, in your sermon, you also kind of gave us permission to do that, like to hold the tension between coming to the table uh, and seeing it as a mystery, but also sort of explaining what we'll experience there. So like, it's, yeah. it's a mixed bag. We're always going to, to come to the table sometimes feeling great. And sometimes like, do I even want to be here? Do I even think it's worth it? You know? Yeah. And I think that's part of community too, is like the days we feel great. It's, it feels easy to like kind of glide through and be a part of community. The days we feel horrible and don't want to be present are also days where like our presence probably matters, not only to ourselves, but to others. And so I think it's really important to recognize that and we say this often, I, you know, I stole it from our bishop because he said it um, to the ordinary class, but like, you know, regardless of how you feel about it on any given day, like you're still um, required to, to do the work. And I think that that, you know, he was saying that to a bunch of preachers, like regardless of how you feel about it, like your job's infinitely more important than that. Yeah. I think that's how it is with community too, though. Like, regardless of how we feel in the moment, we're to note it and and we can share it, but we still have to show up. And communion is that broad place where we pull our ourselves up to the table, and we can do that if we're grumpy or happy or <laughs> grieving or checked out or however. But the goal isn't to necessarily feel the right thing; it's to be present and and that has its roots all the way back to that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. I mean, think about all the different emotions that would have been present that night. You know, Judas in there, probably everyone's staring at him, like trying to figure out if he's the one Jesus being all cryptic and also very specific at the same time. And, and, you know, like we all, they're all over the place. I imagine trying to figure out what's next. And, and that's a good um, reminder for us as we struggle forward in community. Well, and it is, it was a true meal too, right? I mean, right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I Which think it's unfortunate that we don't have a full meal, you know, as yeah. but yeah, it's a full meal. 
I think that's something that um, when Josh was was able to do simple church, you know, dinner church, which is not possible mm-hmm. right now, they encased the meal with communion. You know, you you start with bread. It's almost like an appetizer course. And then you right. eat a full meal together. You share, you know, whatever they would have shared, herbs and lamb and vegetables. And yeah. then you you close it, you bookend it with the other element. So, I mean, with I think cup. it's yeah. a good reminder, like you said, Mitchell, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you all know Jim Gaffigan's humor, um, but he has a bit about like everything we do is oriented around food. He's like, hey, uh, after we go eat something, we should uh, we should go eat something, you know. And so this idea that everything in our lives, especially the best things, are oriented around food. Right. Um, We bring when we can, when we can see each other, we bring cookies to celebrate somebody's birthday. We bring a casserole to help someone who's grieving or who just was in an accident or, you know, can't cook for themselves. So I just think that's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And then food has a way of like creating moments too, right? We can stumble upon these experiences. Like, you know, someone's going to, you're going to meet someone for lunch, right? And all of a sudden the food that's put in front of you is like way better than you thought. Right. And all of a sudden it creates a marker so not only is it like a companion piece it can become like the center of what's happening yeah and i think like that's you know oh i miss that i miss <laughs> sitting with folks at restaurants yeah. you know when you said at the beginning of your sermon you said communion is powerful because the shared meals are powerful yeah. and i started thinking like oh, i wonder what the shared meals are in our past that have been really impactful or do y'all have one that are like when I started thinking about mine, mine wasn't just one specific one, but we used to have Sunday night dinners every every right. week. Um, and like my grandparents lived like next door to us, and so they would usually be there, and at least one of my aunts would often be there. And like I played, you know, sports in high school, and so there was not many nights during the week we were actually home just because there was a lot of things happening. Um, so I always really appreciated those. Even when I went to college, I went to college like 40, 30 for 45 minutes away from where I'm from. And so I would bring all my roommates back home for Sunday night dinner. And yeah. that's uh, awesome. Oh, it was so fun, which, you know, some of them were friends that I'd grown up with anyway, but other ones were from St. Louis or Kansas city. And, um, and we would just all go out to go out to the farm, you know, like, and we would either, if it was in the fall, we'd like watch football or something. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have big dinner and, and my mom loved, my mom and dad loved it. Right. Like they loved having people in their house and it was always just this really fun experience to kind of get out of the the college craziness and go back home and 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 share this dinner and we always had a great time doing it right i love that Mm -hmm. i think well so many things were coming up for me um but the two that really came forward one was um that my mom was a music minister um she's retired now but she as we all know, had meetings all the time. And so on, especially Sunday evening, like Sunday was just a a 12 or 14 hour day for her. So my dad would always make breakfast for dinner on Sunday evening and she would come home and we would share like pancakes and bacon and sausage. And like, um, that was, that was a really special kind of shared time, Mm -hmm. even though mom was tired from a full work day. Like that was, that was our family time. Then the other one that I was thinking was, um, one of my roommates in college, who's still a good friend of mine, Lubaina, um, she is Muslim. And so she would invite all of us, her roommates, to celebrate uh, Eid with her at the end of the month. She would cook this incredible food and like invite friends over and we would celebrate with her. And I just felt so welcomed um, into her. Like she would cook, you know, recipes that her mom had and um, 
she would teach us how to eat like you know no you really don't need to use a fork you need to use the bread as like a scooper and it was even more delicious when i was like experiencing that um that culture that's awesome yeah um yeah i think one like a very specific meal uh was also uh as rebecca had mentioned like i I broke um, fast iftar uh, on Ramadan um, in Jordan um, with my friend Andy, and we had planned this trip. You know, for four months we were gone. We totally forgot that it was Ramadan, and so we were really, really hungry. Um, and just we we, we uh, were in a huge tent, probably you know four thousand. Um, men and women. Um, and we were <laughs> invited into this experience. And I remember that being really powerful. Um, Saturday morning breakfast at my grandmother's house was always a big deal. Um, when I spent the night uh, as a kid, uh, there were biscuits and gravy and, and, oh, uh, man. That sounds good. Butter and you know, she'd give me coffee and, uh, you know, five, it's like, you know, one <laughs> she gave you coffee at age five one fifth coffee and like four fifths milk, you know? Um, but it was just, it was great. Um, and then one of the meals that stands out, Eli and I were in, um, in Montreal and just some of the food that we were able to experience there was just, you know, really incredible. And, and so it's weird thinking about these meals, right? Because in some ways they're planned, right? Sunday night dinner. Um, but I think that there's also this like creativity and kind of um, these moments that just arise and we're, we're not even aware of it, right? We'd have no idea that we we're going to like break, break uh, fast with, uh, with 4,000 of our um, close Muslim friends. Uh, and, and I think that's the power of the sacrament and the church is that like while it is scheduled, on the calendar um there are still moments where folks for the first time maybe in a long time are visiting and all of a sudden the table's like open to them and i think like the openness in which we invite people to the table uh, makes such a difference um in what happens in our worship service and that's why i'm a huge advocate and i know rebecca is too for having communion uh as often as possible yeah um because there's no replicating that experience. Right. You can't get it any other way, right? You have to go through the sacrament to, to have that experience. And, and I just, I mean, I want more communion in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and figuratively, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. I think one of the reasons I love communion every, every Sunday too, is that I think theologically it's really a great, like that's the culmination then, right? And and nothing against you or any preacher, oh. right? But like rather than the spoken word being the kind of the, the climax of the service, like uh you you end with or at least it builds to the the shared meal together. And I think that's to me that's a really powerful um I just think we've we've got so focused on the intellectual aspect of of worship and, and of our yeah. theologies and everything and and there's something about the breaking down and having a, a meal together and saying the same or almost the exact same liturgy every Sunday that there, it may seem repetitive but um, it's there's something holy in that repetition mm-hmm. and it, it's not dependent on one specific person and you know delivering this you know knocked it out of the park kind of sermon thing but it's it's 
Yeah. I would say, you know, too, it, it, having communion every Sunday takes the pressure off the preacher. Absolutely. Right. Because I get, you can preach the worst sermon in the world. Yeah. It's what happens. There, there is always going to be communion. Mm-hmm. And if that's like the only reason we gather to celebrate with one another around that table, like that's a good day. Right. Like, yeah. and I, I think like, it's just a much, um, much healthier way of looking at, at worship is when we end together at a table. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to live up to our uh, description of this podcast and give you all a little bit of a, like a nerdy oh, kind yeah. of history. Um, I think, I mean, one of the things that came forth to me yesterday was this balance that we can strike between holy mystery and also explaining enough that you do kind of, you're grounded in what's going on, you know? Right. And, um, breaking down kind of the responses that we that we say in the liturgy and why we say them um, to remember the past, present, and future. I just, I don't, I mean, Phil, you said you didn't know this story when I told you earlier. Hmm. Um, when a lot of people think like, oh, you know, the pastor has to say these magic words um, to bless the elements. And it is true that there are words that, you know, in our Methodist tradition that we honor that just the elder says. But fun fact, that is where... Um, hocus pocus came from. It's it's fake Latin. Um, so in the early days of the church, the priest would be, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume the priest would be mumbling, right? Because they they do it every day and every week. So they'd be mumbling to get through the Latin words and nobody spoke Latin usually. And when he said, when the priest says, you know, uh, this is my body, um, which the real Latin is hoc est corpus meum, people hearing that, they heard hocus pocus like oh he's saying he's like you know casting a spell or uh turning the elements into jesus's flesh and and blood so i just think that's really interesting for us to know as we balance this holy mystery this monumisterium um with knowing our history and knowing some of the things that go into it um i think that's really fascinating yeah yeah there's no magic that happens right over the elements um but you're right. Historically, like we've uh, required an elder to be present mm-hmm. uh, and to preside over the table, and I think it's a. I think we'll see the end of that in the next decade. You think so? Yeah, I think it's unsustainable. But the reason, right? Historically, like the reason is um, because elders had the power to convene community, and and the and the fear has always been that. If anyone can preside over the table, then that means that the table can become a non-communal exercise where closed Sunday school groups will celebrate the Lord's Supper um, or just UMW will have the Lord's Supper. And it was ne- the Lord's Supper was never intended to be something that was ever closed. And so by m- ensuring that an elder presides over the table, it allows us to ensure that, that as many people are invited to the table as possible. And I think it's really, um, yeah. and it, you know, cause there's nothing magical about being ordained. Right. And, and we're just set aside. We're set apart. We're not set above or below. We're just kind of set over here to the side to do very specific tasks on behalf of the church. But I don't, when I was ordained, I didn't get any magic powers. Phil didn't either. 
I mean, you, you don't know me. Ordained as a deacon. <laughs> I mean, they don't get anything, right? Right. I don't even have the power to. You don't even have that, right? Um, but I, I think that's a good word, Mitchell, though. It's like a lot of, I think a lot of people, and maybe we can cover this if we do a Methodism 101 class. Um, a lot of people do think that having the elder have to be present is a limiting factor. So here you hearing you say that actually historically it was mm-hmm. meant to be an opening factor and a, right. an equalizing factor, I think is really important to hear. Right. Because, you know, circuit writers were bouncing around all over the place. Chances are they were only going to be present in once a month in these communities. And when the elders showed up, worship attendance probably boosted, right? Because the preacher was there, right? And, and so what we know is that just by the elder being present, that's when other things happened. Uh, letters were read from the denomination or, um, you know, uh, there were opportunities to baptize folks or, right? So you kind of had this buildup around this Sunday. It wasn't anything special about the elder. It was all just about like, this is how we've organized ourselves, that we will celebrate together when we can all be together. And, um but yeah, I you know I get the limiting. It is very limiting, and we know it was a pain, and it will be a pain. Um, it'll be less of a pain because we have more elders on staff. But um, <laughs> when I'm on paternity leave, it's just yeah. kind of what. How do you solve that? And is there anything, you know, theologically different about me than Rebecca presiding over the table? No, just that our historical denominational stance has been that elders uh, must be present to preside and. Mm-hmm. And I like to take the affirmative reason for that is because, like, we ensure that the table is open and everyone's present. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also liked the reminder when you said, remember the past, remember the present, remember the future, which is really, <laughs> I wrote down what you said. Like, like the most confusing thing ever. Yeah. I think I think you said remember to remember the future, and I was like, okay, my my brain just exploded just then. Um, you have to remember to remember what you know about the future. Um, right. But this, you know, this remembering you talking about making sure the table is open to everybody. Right. Um, we fall away, right? It's especially now. It's so easy to feel um, disconnected from our communities. So the remembering is is can be very physical too when someone's in church for the first time in a long time and they get to come to the table. We sing a song. We didn't sing it yesterday, but we sing a song um, called Come to the Table of Grace. This is God's table. It's not yours or mine. Mm-hmm. Come to the table of grace. Um, so yeah, I just, I was struck by that, that language as well. We remember each other as part of one single body. Yeah. I, the idea of being like stitched back together. Um, mm. like I can't get that. Like, that's how I think about it. Um, you know, and we're going to be stitched back together after we've been apart for a while and we're going to be put back together for this moment as the body. And then we'll dismember ourselves. But, uh, but ultimately this process of being kind of out in the world and then coming back out in the world and then coming back, like it shapes us and it informs us. Right. And so what's the hymn we sing um, not to get all clergy here, but a clergy session uh, we sing, are we, uh, are we yet alive? Right? And are we yet alive? Yeah. Yeah. Every, every time we gather and it's just, it's not the best hymn, but it is. It has power because that's what we do when we gather. And in that hymn, there are 
it was it was written for clergy, right? That we would be all doing the work, and then once a year we'd gather together. In some ways, like we should think about communion in the same way. Hmm. Like we go out into the world, we're sent out into the world, and then we come back and we're stitched back together. And we're going to look different. We're going to um, we're going to think differently. We're going to have different experiences. We're going to have you know some of us are going to be grieving more than we were last time. Some of us are going to be happier than we were last time. But the act of communion um, stitches us together as a reminder that regardless of where we are, um, we are um, bound together to do this work, and that we are the body of Christ, and that we are all redeemed, and we're all loved, and we all have what we need to go out back into the world and do the work and. Yeah, I like this idea of remembering as a present active Mm -hmm. uh, verb and action for the church. And interestingly, that tune, I was looking it up because I couldn't remember the tune name. The tune name is Dennis, which I don't know why, but um, it's the same tune that we sing uh, for Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, Mm -hmm. interestingly. So if we're talking about remembering, that's the same tune. Interesting. Yep. Huh. There you go. There you go. It was a good Sunday. Chucky Wesley wrote those words. Chucky Wesley. <laughs> good old Chucky. <laughs> this is very Halloween-esque. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Where um <laughs> yeah. Halloween. Halloween's gonna be weird. It's gonna be real weird. Are y'all are y'all doing the PVC pipe slide to give candy out? I've seen this in a lot of different uh write-ups. <laughs> I you I mean you mentioned it yesterday. I had not heard this. This might be a good idea. Maybe I'll get on the roof or something. You know, <laughs> like, drop candy down. Yeah, totally. Our our neighborhood said to just line your sidewalk with candy, which I'm like, yeah, cool. So the first kid that walks very by, honor, that's yeah. very honorable way to approach Halloween. But right. I feel like if you're if you line the sidewalk, but then if you're sitting out in your front yard, kind of like distanced. Hey, don't that do would, that. that. Don't pick help. up three. <laughs> Smack people with smack their hands with a very long stick. <laughs> that uh, that sticky hand you just throw it out there and oh like, yeah, hit them with it. You could use the uh, the little sticky snakes that Victoria gave out in her back to school. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, are y'all excited about our next series? Yeah, it's going to be good. Totally. It's yeah. uh, I realized that we have the Trinitarian thing going on uh, for our titles recently. We had uh, bread, water, and wine. Now we have earn, save, give. It's true. Oh, you know, one thing we need to talk about is that we had a couple people in worship yesterday that were in the Sunday sit down and yeah. we, we didn't, we failed to introduce them in worship, but yeah. um, Lisa Tishner, who um, is the mother of Taylor Tishner, who is very active in the folk band and yeah, um, choir. In the choir as well. So she joined us uh, as a board member of African University. And then also the Reverend Dr. Peter Maghetto joined us um, from, uh, he was in, where did he say? He was in Kenya, right? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, I it, thought Nairobi, but I could be wrong. Is it Nairobi in Kenya? Oh, yeah. Nairobi, Kenya? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. funny because I, I had to think through that in my head as well. <laughs> Me and geography, y'all, is not good. Same. Um, but I, I, so he actually is the vice chancellor, deputy vice chancellor at African University. And so I thought he was going to be in Zimbabwe, but he had, he had told me he was back in Kenya. That's where his family is. Um, he wasn't with them for eight months during the pandemic, which oh, is just man. terrible. And yeah, so he that's finally awful. got a chance to go back. And so he said he'll be in Kenya for probably a couple more weeks before he has to head back to Zimbabwe again. But, um, yeah, what a, this is really cool. I love that for World Communion Sunday, we got to um, have Peter present with us on Sunday morning, which is a really cool opportunity. And 
have him be a part of worship as well. And um, I think the, I loved the conversation we had too in the sit down, um, which you can also find in our podcast channel. Um, was what, just a, day, what day do you drop that one? Tuesdays, right? No, it dropped. It, I try to drop it Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday I had, Sunday night. I had issues with our recording, and so it's, for some reason, I'm very echoey in this this recording. So just forgive that. But it actually dropped early this morning. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah, it was a good conversation. I think we often, at least I often, uh, forget about the more far-reaching arms of the United Methodist Church and, yeah. and our our global. Uh, impact through places like Africa University is just remarkable. It was great to hear Lisa get so excited and her poetry. Oh my gosh. That's great. Uh, one of the words she rhymed with, I was like, daggum, that's a difficult word to rhyme with. Definitely. What was it? Um, we'll like, find the poem. Yeah. Yeah. We'll post yeah, it. She didn't give it to me. I need to get it though. And I should, I should put it in the show links or something like that. Cause it was a really great poem. It was great. Yeah. So anyway, I I just loved it. I love that we got to have them on the Sunday sit down and then they were a part of worship too. I like that you got to do that, um, Rebecca, that you pulled that all together. So yeah. good job. Yeah. So the last three weeks we've done that. We've had mm-hmm. our guests from the Sunday sit down also appear in worship for some continuity. Yeah. Which is just awesome. So yeah, again, sneaky good. Great Sunday. Sneaky good. All right, friends. We will uh, catch up with you all next week. Take care. Bye. Have a great day. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.